Welcome to Brazen Bio. We help biotech founders advance human health. This is episode number one of our podcast. My name is Brent Whitkin, co-founder and COO of Brazen Bio. I'm Sean Carbonell, co-founder and CEO of Brazen Bio. Sean, here we are. We launched. It is Wednesday, May 26th. How's it feel, Brent? Pacific Time, Los Angeles, Lundqvist Institute. Yes. What a day. Yeah. It's, uh, so how do you feel? I feel fantastic. Energized, fresh, and inspired. A lot of great feedback out there. Awesome. No, yeah, the LinkedIn's been off the hook. Uh, Instagram's been great. Um, hoping to get more people into the Discord, but uh, we're off to the races. It is. It is. A full day and a lot of engagement already. So how do you feel, Sean? Uh, it feels good. I feel a little bit of relief. Uh, I was... Uh, you know, big, big lead up, a lot of anxiety, anticipation. Uh, now I'm feeling a little bit exhausted, but um, energized. <laughs> well, we still got a lot of work to do and round out today. You know, this is just the beginning. And I can tell you that vibe I'm experiencing already and all of what comes ahead is just like a thriller already. I love it. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk more about this whole thing, right? So how did we get started? <laughs> well, let's start with the problem, shouldn't we? Isn't let's, that where it all began? Surely. Well, I'll tell a little bit about your problem and then... Excuse me? We'll take it from there. Sounds good. So the problem I experienced, Sean, with you over 10 years ago was seeing you struggling with launching your first startup yes. and it was painful it was it was really hard like as a friend actually i might even have goosebumps right now experiencing that by proxy and almost joining you on your first biotech venture which took years to really spin up and mature to where it is today making this easier removing the friction for others yes Absolutely. So yeah, so it goes back to Onco Synergy, which is my first startup. I uh, had an idea out of my first postdoc. Uh, meanwhile, I was training to become a neurosurgeon, but realized that I could have a bigger impact on patients if I uh, focus on, on this drug, that this idea for a new brain cancer drug. Um, and so I made the tough decision to leave neurosurgery training and, and start a biotech startup with no prior experience and no contacts in the industry just fresh. Uh, tried doing it out of my kitchen in Los Angeles uh, for six months, tried raising money, tried getting traction. This was 2009. They didn't have the infrastructure that they have today, but even still, um, it's, it's still difficult today. But, but in any case, uh, got no traction, couldn't get anywhere. Meanwhile, I was paying rent on a credit card. So my only option at that time was to get another postdoc so I could hopefully you know, have access to a lab have uh, some funds and um, do the proof of concept to work in order to, um, you know, uh, file a patent and spin out the technology. And so that's what happened. It wasn't, um, it wasn't easy. Um, and and uh, we can talk more about that. I've seen you in the kitchen, Sean. You're very capable. Excuse me? <laughs> and it's all about laboratory access, space. Isn't that what you really needed? The barrier to entry was the infrastructure? Yeah, so the infrastructure for sure. So I definitely needed money. I needed you know money to cover my my overhead, um, and I needed 
for sure the lab space um, because I had I had an idea and it was just an idea. Um, I had some preliminary data from previous work, but I needed sort of that proof of concept. Um, uh, I needed those proof of, uh, proof of concept experiments in order to you know file a patent, get the intellectual property. And the only way to do it at that time um, was in academia. Um, they didn't have these WeWork-type labs back then. Um, they were just starting. They So, you know, I did my second postdoc at UCSF. They just started one called QB3, um, which uh, is a great great resource. But uh, in the rest of the country, there was nothing There was nothing available. So I was sort of lucky to be in, in that ecosystem. And so that, so that enabled the technology. But, um, you know, going... After I got my data, right, now I had to disclose that data to the university. And then, so that process was a nightmare because they basically had to vet my technology. And then they also did not um, allow me to use my own technology until they had done their own vetting. Uh, That took almost um, a year. So they basically shopped my patent idea around to other companies <laughs> for they first said it originally for three months and it ended up being somewhere between six and nine months I need to check my emails and, and see exactly how long it took but yeah so that was months of, of anxiety not knowing how if I had a company or if one of these big pharma companies was going to steal it right out from from under me which would have undermined the entire reason you know I, I, I did this postdoc um, and so that was that was hard and then to make it worse, it took ultimately 26 months for me to, to license back my patent, and it almost killed the company. So let me repeat what I hear you say. Effectively, a three-year delay in really moving the needle, all right, at least two years, in moving the needle in the further discovery and development of the original molecule, the compound. Uh, so just to clarify, you know, um, the, the, you know, when you're an early stage biotech company, your only asset and the only thing that someone will invest in is IP. And so that's why that's so critical. So, you know, I was able to um, develop the idea and show proof of concept and use that to sort of engage investors and talk to people in the field. But you know, the investors wouldn't pull the trigger until I had the license, um, which again took 26 months. And investors coming in is just part of the equation. Moving, moving in the clinical space for clinical development, getting all the necessary manufacturing in line prior to that, building the team around the compound. Can we talk about that a little bit? Because that's, that, yes. that's, often overlooked and underestimated oh for sure um so so again i i'm i'm really grateful for ucsf because they had a course called idea to ipo back in the day this 2010 2011 and so i had my idea for my drug i had some early in vitro data working on the in vivo data um but i saw this flyer in genentech hall and at ucsf that said hey if you have an idea um come pitch it and so i did and so did dozens of other postdocs and grad students and they and they chose eight ideas to pursue in the class and thankfully one of them was mine um, and so all the other people 
basically were assigned to various teams. And so I had an instant team of 10 people to help me sort of parse this out and sort of do this um, do this pretend um, startup in, in sort of uh, this, this, this class format. So it's it sort of like an incubator. There's a curriculum. I had my own team. Uh, and we were basically going through the motions, but we didn't quite understand everything that went into it. For instance, you were talking about manufacturing. You know, our we, we had someone on our on our manufacturing uh, on the manufacturing project uh, essentially um, di- basically by the end of it we had no idea how much manufacturing would cost and so our budget we had a budget to get to the clinic to get to the clinic which was about 2.5 million dollars only after we finished the course did we realize that the manufacturing budget on its own would cost double that <laughs> and so so you know we, it was sort of almost you know we're playing startup um, but the reality of, of startup life um, sort of hit us in the face and, and, and you know we, we did so well in that course we actually won first place and yet you know we still didn't even know how much it would cost to manufacture um, the drug and of course you know this was sort of a um, an informal team situation it was only 12 weeks but um, this is why we need raising bio double cost maybe double triple the amount of time and for sure here we are a decade later nearly opening up the doors for future founders for advancing human health you know this is what really gets me excited and coming in to be my best is to remove the friction, make it easier to launch. Isn't that what it's all about? Yes, for sure. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's so many, there's so many sort of unspoken valleys of death in, in biotech. I mean, it's, you know, from an idea to the bench, bench to manufacturing, um, manufacturing to regulatory to clinical, um, it's not just bench to bedside. There's there's so many other barriers there, um, and you know another unanticipated one, which I mentioned previously, is just you know dealing with the innovation and technology transfer offices at these universities, because again they're sort of making a call, which is somewhat arbitrary, um, which is a massive barrier. And there's really only one way to learn this. By doing. That's right. Exactly. The hard way. <laughs> yes. A- and. Surrounding yourself with industry veterans, subject matter experts is one proven way to get there faster, to get there smoother. Yes, no, for sure. So, you know, we brought on many consultants and that's how we sort of did it. And, you know, they're hit or miss. So um, learned some great lessons there. And so um, obviously we're going to try to um, optimize that for our brazen fellows who come in. and um, yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely, you know, I was a solar founder at the beginning, but I definitely had to sort of recruit a team around me. So can we say we're scratching your own itch? Um, that's inappropriate, Brent, but um, yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah, so, so yeah, so I'm basically, so the, the idea, you know, this idea for Brazen Bio came to me, you know, almost immediately at UCSF when I was experiencing all this trouble. I'm like, it's there's got to be a better way, right? <laughs> and that's been frustrating for me for the past decade. And so uh, now that I've uh, you know, brought this idea to the bench, now it's in the bedside. We're actually treating patients, which um, is amazing. Um, just this year, in fact. Um, uh, 
Yeah. So now um, I'm no longer with the company, but I'm still supporting them. And you know, I, I recruited a team, and they're they're doing an awesome job um, bringing this forth uh, to patients. Um, so I had an opportunity now um, to make Raisin Bio a reality. So let's double down a little bit on what I'm kind of surprised to hear the reaction when we speak with others out there in the community of the complexity and the barriers to entry for biotech startups. Contrast with tech startups. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so, so you know, tech startups can start can build a product with just a laptop and, and Wi-Fi, right? So, but as we as we talked about at the beginning, you know, biotech needs infrastructure, usually the lab, millions of dollars in equipment, funding, and a critical mass of sort of experts around you. Um, so. It's completely different, um, and even people who have been in biotech, like in industry and such, they don't they, they don't sometimes realize you know all the little bits and pieces that that are needed to get through. Well, it's a massive value chain when you think about original target identification, discovery, research around a molecule or a target, and then development, and then all the clinical phases and regulatory hurdles so that rarely will you find someone who knows all of it inside now as a ma subject matter expert yes only the people who've actually done it know the entire pathway or people who um, have seen it done you know um, in companies but um, so actually let, we should probably take a step back and say what we're doing <laughs> let's do that yes let's clarify clarify a few things what is brazen bio so Brazen Bio is a biotech incubator, and we're here to help founders advance human health, removing the friction, getting them all the support they need, infrastructure and resources, access to experts in the field, and guidance. Really that guidance, which Sean indicated uh, he was looking for a decade ago, and guidance which myself and others we're surrounding the team with and building it with to move forward more efficiently and effectively. Yeah, so we're, I mean, you know, to state it plainly, our, our goal is to launch hundreds of biotech companies through our incubator um, and or technologies. Um, and we're doing that, you know, our first, this is a large vision we have and the first program that, first program we're doing is the Brazen Incubator. Um, and so you can think of it as um, something similar to Y Combinator, something similar to IndieBio, um, at least in structure, you know, like a two, two to four month program um, where you're doing intensive work on your startup. Uh, where we're differentiated is, you know, we're providing, as, as Brent has just mentioned, the infrastructure, uh, the laboratory access 24-7, laboratory access to a beautiful new facility here in Los Angeles. At Biolabs LA at the Lundquist Institute, um, with over 1.5 million dollars in equipment, um, we are providing housing and, again, everything that goes. So another another thing that's unique is we're providing a service layer as well. You know, so we'll have a staff here, brazen staff, that will help with both administrative uh, tasks and needs, as well as uh, you know technical support in the laboratory. So that's sort of a differentiator. Um, the housing is a differentiator, so we're, we're getting a house here locally, uh, Brazen House, if you will. 
And um, then we have the Brazen, Greater Brazen Network, which includes our senior fellows, which is our sort of informal council of advisors. Turnkey solution. Turnkey solution. Ding. And what is our motto, Brent? Founder friendly first. Founder friendly first. It's what it's all about, the founders and the people. This is an area I would love to expand a little bit on because it's the human factor, the people involved bringing these passions, these projects forward to address the unmet health care needs, which you and I, our families, our friends, our loved ones may experience today or tomorrow. We need to really bring the best talent, the best people forward to support and guide these through to success. Absolutely, because, you know, it, the, the, the person who should be CEO of these companies is, is the founder who ideally developed the technology because they know it better than anyone in the world. Um, you know, they're, they're probably addressing a very specific uh, unmet health need, some dire uh, medical need. And um, if you were to hand that off to a professional CEO or a prepackaged, you know, executive team that's experienced in big pharma, you know, they might tend to optimize it more for financial return and maybe not pursue the same indications as the founder had originally um, envisioned, which, you know, so it could be good or bad, right? So success could could go either way. But again, I, I, I believe, and I think our philosophy, you know, uh, founder friendly first that the founder is the best person to lead the technology well it is all about the founder and giving the tools and the resources and removing the roadblocks and the barriers a lot of listening asking questions and giving the guidance and then getting out of the way yes that is um exactly right um give them what they need we're, we're here whenever you need us during the um incubator as well as beyond um once you're a brazen fellow you're always a brazen fellow um and yeah and then then we'll get out of the way well always being there to support the team though it's something i'm passionate further about in building high performing teams and bringing in the right fit of personalities competencies uh, scientific background interest and diversity diversity yes for sure so, yeah, so these are all things we're working on at the moment, right? The, our sort of selection criteria, our application process, interviews, and, and so forth. Uh, and one thing we are trying to optimize for is um, recruiting, or actively recruiting, you know, upper, unre- underrepresented founders. Um, and uh, it's really difficult because, um, and so there's, there's two parts to this, right? There's, uh, there's supply and then there's sort of um, the actual access. And so I think in science, there is a little bit of a supply problem, but that is not to say that there aren't people who um, are underrepresented who uh, would be good candidates, wouldn't be good candidates. I, anyways, you, you, you get my drift, I think, my intent there. Uh, but so we need, we need help uh, identifying these folks. And so we've, we're starting to reach out, with, uh, reach out to, to various um, influencers, individuals out there, organizations. And, uh, and we're also doing our, our own legwork on that um, score. But um, yeah, help us identify um, these founders. Yeah, I've been really overwhelmed with the response from some of the uh, academic associations for postdocs and others interested in connecting and 
feeding us uh, links and contacts and information to liaise with future founders, to connect with them, to hear what they're looking for, to address their unmet need, to address the unmet health care needs, which we all know exist. Yes. I mean, so yeah, so we're basically, you know, this is a brand new um, thing we're doing. It's sort of uh, a unique angle on things. And so it's sort of chicken egg. We need to sort of make people aware that we exist. And, um, and so it's hard. So we're, we're using our existing networks as well as reaching out to, as you mentioned, the postdoc associations, biotech clubs, um, and uh, founder entrepreneur clubs and things like that. So it's a, it's, 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 it's going to be a little bit of a slog, but we're slowly building the brazen network. And, um, hopefully you can also, um, when we post this, we'll post the dis, the court, uh, the, sorry, the link to the, um, discord server, our brazen network and, uh, yeah, help us, help us build this. Yes. You listener, we need you and me and you, Sean, <laughs> So here we are, wrapping up the month of May. We launched today. Should we talk a little bit about the road ahead, what's coming up next, and where we may be uh, rounding out 2021, Sean? Sure. All right. So let me start. We are uh, launched live, Brazen Bio, and rolling into uh, another round of crowdfunding and that will be coming soon, more information. Then recruiting, recruiting our junior fellows, recruiting our future founders and bringing them in later in the summer, in the autumn, to run through our incubator program and spinning them out, launching, ideally, end of year time. Yes. No, yeah, so we are... As you've said, we are in the midst of being a startup ourselves. So, right, we need to, we just launched, at least publicly. We've been, we've been working on this for, for weeks and weeks, but um, uh, lots of work to do. Recruiting, um, next step really is, is the fundraising aspect. Uh, that's very critical, and uh, we'll talk more about that uh, at the appropriate time. And then we're going to run the Brazen Incubator. Um, first batch this year so we have a plan we're executing on it and more to come anything else you'd like to add sean yeah i mean let's just uh let's just um shoot the shit if you will shoot the bleep you can bleep that out if you if you like um i mean so let's talk more about you and i let's you do it you and i um so <laughs> so we've known each other for over 20 years i believe 1999 UPenn, Philly. Was it 99 or 98? May have been this century. 2000? 2000, really? I think. Oh, yeah. I must have. Yeah. checking you. No, yeah. You, you, you called it, actually. That's Time good. flies. No, yeah. I was a second year. Yeah, I was a second year med student. First year. Was I? You were on your way to UVA. I was already there because I drove up from UVA. Um, regardless, it's either 99 or 2000. Um, it must have been 2000 because um, it was in the summer. 2000, so I finished my undergrad 2000. Okay, so that, well then it had to be 2000, <laughs> yeah. So, so it was 2000, summer 2000, so I was in between first and second year. Um, I should have probably been working in the lab, but I came up to Penn to train you. Um, that's how we met. That's how we met. 
building up Sean Grady's lab, neurosurgery, neurosurgery department, University of Pennsylvania. Sean Grady, shout out. Let's talk more about Sean. So, yeah, but he was a mutual mentor of ours. Wonderful mentor, wonderful professional. Hats off, Dr. Grady. Thank you for everything. Yes, I, I've, I've told him many, many times. Um, can't tell him enough. But you know, I, I first met him in Seattle when he was at University of Washington in 1995 gave me a shot you know after only a couple months in the lab i was a little bit audacious and and said hey i want my own project and i proposed one to him he was like uh that's interesting how about this one (laughs) and so and so i was like oh that's actually pretty cool too so i i went at it all you know um guns blazing um and it turned into a first author paper two years later i think but um and we eventually wrote three papers with me first author uh, before I graduated and you know so he was always so supportive um, and then of course he supported you yes got my start in the uh, brain trauma research community learned a lot about what was happening in the clinic realized the clinic was not for me the basic science route was what I wanted to pursue and he gave me a lot of support in getting into my PhD and and this was at Penn, this was at Penn after, so he got recruited to be the chairman of neurosurgery at Penn after UW. Um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, Sean Grady was a mutual mentor for many of us and really got us started in accelerating our career paths in the right direction. And for me, it was a basic science journey and uh, led me over to Denmark, where I finished uh, my PhD and did a postdoc in. Copenhagen, and we kept in touch over those years. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Um, throughout med school, for sure. Uh, many road trips to see you. <laughs> up and down the East Coast. Yep, love, love the East, love the South. Uh, we met up in Oxford, England when I was a postdoc there. So who moved o- across the pond first? I, well, when did you start your PhD? Good question. 2005? Really? Okay, well then you Four, moved. five? Uh, I moved in 06, so you did. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we, we have trouble with dates. Yeah. It's probably all in we'll Facebook, so that. we can, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll fact check that and get back to y'all. Regardless, <laughs> I came to you, my first trip to England, to Oxford. It was quite a jaunt. It, it was, was. It was fun. It was fun. Yeah, I was, I was still, that was my first that was like June of 06, and I was, that was literally a month in. I was still, I was still sort of in culture shock. I was, I was just starting to feel really homesick um, and didn't really have a lot of friends. My work was not going well because I didn't have the proper certifications and found out it would take six months before I could do the experiments I wanted to do. And so you guys, you guys came at a great time, and it was, it was amazing. Those regulations in the U.K., home office yeah, the home office. Man, I remember that. Because yeah. I did my postdoc in Copenhagen collaborating with the team back in Oxford after you had left. Alistair. Yes. And I remember being clearly informed upon arrival, I was unable to touch any of the work we were doing. I could only look over, over the shoulders and advise. Exactly. <laughs> that, that was surprising. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty onerous. And um, yeah, it's... It, if you do a postdoc in the UK, and I'm sure there, there's probably some other European countries that have similar, maybe. But but in any case, know, know, know what you're getting into. <laughs> well, I remember getting off the bus, coming to meet you. The bus. 
or getting off the plane, getting onto the bus yeah. and being told by the driver, if I'm going to make it in this country, I need to learn how to speak the language. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, the, the, the London-Oxford bus is, it's a lovely ride. It was, <laughs> on the other side. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, we, we kept in touch over in Europe, in England, and then you, you did return stateside before I did. That's for sure. Yes. Wait, so when did you come stateside? Let's verify. Uh, I, I returned back in 18. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, never, you never came back. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I came back in 2009 um, in, in order to start this um, neurosurgery residency um, that I had put off in order to do the postdoc. So I, that's how I ended up in L.A. the first time and not, not ended up. L.A. has sort of always been um, a city that I loved. I had family here and sort of just the allure, the excitement of, of, of Los Angeles. I also like New York for different reasons, um, you know, both large cities. But in any case, um, ended up here, and four months later, I had quit <laughs> to start the, the biotech company. I remember reading about that. Sean, this was your dream. Yes, right? You know, I, yeah, exactly. Everyone, uh, it, was, it was a shock to everyone, <laughs> I'm sure, uh, including myself. <laughs> well, yeah. what would you have done differently? I don't think I would have done anything differently other than maybe some of the HR ways, some of the, some of the ways I handled it in an HR capacity. But, um, you know, it, um, you know, I just, it just had to happen the way it did because, and, and ultimately it worked out, right? So um, I don't think I would have done anything differently other than maybe try to be a nicer person. <laughs> well, we learn. We do learn and grow, hopefully. For sure. I mean, and so, so yeah, that's, and then it comes full circle, right? And now, now I'm trying to pay it forward through Brazen Bio. Opening up doors for others. Indeed. So let's talk about that, uh, that time in San Francisco where I came over to see you again. Yes. <laughs> and we almost sealed the deal and worked together at that point. Almost. Yeah, so I tried to hire you twice prior uh, first time when I was a resident at um, Cedar Sinai, and, and my chair, uh, Keith Black, great man, very gracious. You know, as an intern, he offered me my own lab and basically a PI designation. So I'd be both a neurosurgery intern resident as well as a f- sort of a f- honorary faculty member. And magnanimous um, offer from my chairman. Um, shout out to Keith Black. Um, and so I was trying to hire you to, to run, help run that lab. Um, that was our first conversation. Uh, and then I abruptly quit instead <laughs> and started Onco Synergy up in San Francisco, uh, where I pursued you once again. Um, you were already in industry at this time and um, potentially thinking about moving on or moving up. Uh, and so I really wanted to get you on board. Uh, flew you over, had a great time i think and met the team um i went so far as to give you an offer letter we negotiated salary and all that stuff and in equity i remember that and and then i had to rescind the offer <laughs> and, and i i remember that as a good test of friendship in fact so all right sean i get it you know i understand and a couple head fakes there i'm gonna stay in industry i'm gonna stay in pharma a while I'm going to stay over on, on the other side of an ocean. 
Yes. Matter of fact, I'm going to stay on one ocean away from you and then another ocean away from you. <laughs> Wait, so yeah. So, so, so I, I couldn't offer you the job because I, I, I wasn't able to raise the capital in time. Um, you know, startup life, right? But so what did you do instead? So I stayed in industry at Novo Nordisk in Copenhagen in the um, research and uh, discovery team working on a lot of mechanism of action studies. A lot of brain um, receptor work for GLP-1 receptor uh, binding and action. And then I got an opportunity to move to Beijing, China. My first uh, leadership role, building a team there. That was an experience. I call it my MBA, my Masters of Beijing Administration. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Say more. So that was on a, a, the other side of the ocean away from you. And what an experience, you know. Building a team, number one, building from scratch in a foreign country, learning about complex biology. We were focused on diabetes complications, vascular, microvascular disease, uh, nephropathy, uh, retinopathy, mm -hmm. and wonderful experience, wonderful people, still in contact with so many of them today. And then uh, after a couple of years, um, assignment was up, headquarters called me back to Copenhagen returned to see another side of the value chain in drug development, clinical development uh, as well, uh, bioanalytical studies, all the PK work uh, feeding into that with ELISA, ligand binding, uh, LCMS, uh, work in the labs. And gosh, what a, what a great experience. I also went to business school for a little while there in Copenhagen. Very good. Enjoyed Very good. that. Opened up my eyes to the whole other side of the industry. Yes. Yes. So, so you've seen, so you, you've, that, that gave you the exposure to regulatory. Uh, why don't you talk about that? So, you know, some of the regulatory filings you had for some products. Yeah. So probably one of the products that I'm most excited to talk about is liraglutide. Um, this is a GLP-1 receptor agonist, which is used first for diabetes, lowering HbA1c, as well as for obesity, for driving down weight loss. Diabetes is, is a major global issue, especially here in the States. So it's one where I got really experienced, saw from uh, the discovery and research side all the way through the uh, filings specifically and the post-marketing commitments, in addition to other insulins and um, uh, uh, hemodynamic um, drugs that were filed for, for rare diseases, and then Likewise, through uh, my last employment with Foundation Medicine Roche on the oncology side and next generation sequencing and uh, Foundation One CDX, Foundation Liquid, and all those excellent experiences with regulated products, reg regulated environment, and really putting the patient first, in mm -hmm. fact. That's, that's what it's about, right? Um, so, so yeah, so you went from uh, Denmark Novo to Foundation Medicine Roche. Um, I remember you coming back to Boston, and at that time, I was actually in Connecticut now after having raised around from that state to support our, our phase one clinical trial. Um, we still didn't get to, to, to coordinate, but um, those are, those are um, hectic times. But, um, and then you, um, then you moved to San Diego. I did. Sent out on assignment to San Diego to build out the site for Foundation Medicine. And what a journey. I mean, talk about COVID. <laughs> uh, again, uh, getting started from the 
ground level up, building another team and getting all of the execution lined up and then COVID. I remember so how long were you there before COVID? Uh, moved into our apartment two weeks before COVID. <laughs> and uh, oh strategically, right next to the office, a walking distance, I like to jog to work. And it was over a year of not going into the lab or the office, working remotely. Wow. So why don't you talk about it? So you're building out a site, a lab, a clinical lab for Foundation Medicine um, with COVID restrictions and everyone's remote. How does that work? And there's more. <laughs> we changed addresses. So we had all the plans built out for one site. Then we decided, got a better opportunity to move to another site and then started the whole process over again. Oh my. And built the team uh, remotely. Everyone, even locally, you know, there were uh, about 100 colleagues, I recall, in California and 30 approximately in the Southern California area. I probably met in person five of them. Wow. That's different. It, it was. And, and here you and I are sitting face to face. So, you know, found out you were just up the road. Indeed. Back in L.A. Yeah, I left I left the company to the team. They're doing a great job, like I mentioned at the beginning and uh, was in L.A. Uh, seeking other opportunities uh, to scale my impact, so to speak. I started a nonprofit and um, and now Brazen. So here we are. Here we are. Um, I had an idea, a thought, and I lost it. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, <laughs> it'll come back to you. And it's been a long day. I know both of us. <laughs> a little bit. Maybe a little bit hypoglycemic. <laughs> yes. Sun is still shining. We're not going to tell you what we're going to have for dinner, but uh, Ooh. it will remedy that. <laughs> it'll be a good one. <laughs> Plenty of options. And, and so, Sean, I told you before, and I'll tell you again. I couldn't ask for a better partner to be doing this with. Co-founder, Sean, I, I consider you like a brother, family. We've known each other, again, over two decades. 1999, 2000, whatever year it was. <laughs> whatever year it was. It was 2000. Pretty sure. <laughs> yes. I mean, th thanks so much. I mean, um, like I said, you were, I mean, it, and it played out. You were the first person at the top of my mind, and I sort of teased you with it with the thought that you would come back interested and you did <laughs> well it, it, it's remarkable how things uh come together over time you uh put the right people in the room and you give them a challenge and figure a way out absolutely absolutely i love it brother um yeah so i'm really looking forward to um this journey with you here we are Let's day one <laughs> here we are biolabs la day one May 26, 6.25 p.m. Um, it's been a pleasure so far. Stay tuned. More to come. Absolutely. All right. Signing off. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Brent. See you next time. Bye-bye.